again everybody and welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of Rebel Trons. I'm going to trust you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think, um, let's see, Up was 10, Toy Story 3 was 11, Cars 2 was 12. Blimey. So, here we go. And obviously not counting the holiday special. And <laughs> if you read in the episode title of this thinking, well the episode title is episode 13, so obviously it's 13. We haven't written that yet, have we? So we're not <laughs> so sure no. Um But we're here to do brave. That's really brave of us. Should we count how many times we say the word brave in this podcast? Well, that's three. You know, I don't even think the word brave is used in this film. No, but it's about a woman who's brave, and the film's called Brave to show about the brave woman that's brave. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to trust you on this, because... As a good way to kind of segue in, I have never seen this. Yeah. This, this is. Oh, the, I, I love it when it's like this. This is the first film that, uh, other than obviously the Star Wars Holiday Special, but this is the first actual film that we've done so far that I have never in my life seen. And that's two on the run because last week I'd never seen Cars two. So, so yeah, we are. We're, it's like we're back in the old days with a newbie every week. Yeah, exactly. Because we're guestless, also for the first time. This is also our. Smallest We've been guestless before, haven't we? Never no, been guestless. Well, we've, we've, we've had suppose, Nora a lot. I suppose Nora wasn't a guest, but she was always Nora the fourth guests. person. That's true. But we've, we've never had one just the three of us before. Well, we've got the most important people here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's offensive to Nora. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Nora. Yeah. Anyway. Nora's the most important person um, in the Rebel Trump's hierarchy, <laughs> which is small, but... You know, um, so, yeah, no, I've never seen this. I know that the... I know that it's set in Scotland. It and is. I know that the lead kind of princess would A, be upset with me for calling her princess, I think. Uh, yeah. Based on the kind of character she has. Yeah. That she has big, flowy ginger hair. Yeah. The, the, the best animated thing in the film is her hair. It's her hair. Okay. Um, I know that it's something like, it's set in an old Scottish kingdom. Called Scotland. Yeah. That there's loads of magic. <laughs> Scotland! <laughs> That there's loads of magic, and then she does dressing. something that breaks the magic and unleashes a force that she has to solve and restore the happy You're, magic you're vague, but you're not wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, that's about all I know. Hopefully, hopefully it's better than the last film I saw that was set in Scotland about a princess with ginger hair. Mary Queen of Scots. Mary Queen of Scots, yeah. which was... And that's got your fave in it, from Lady Bears. Yeah, love me some Saoirse Ronan, but not in Mary Queen... Well, no, I mean, she's good in Mary Queen of Scots, it's just not a very good film. Uh, well, this was actually one of the very first films Jake and I went to see together. This came out in 2012. This is the first Pixar film that came out while we were together. Yeah. Came out in 2012, about June, July, so we've been together for about two, three months then. Very mediocre film, like a very mediocre relationship. Hey! <laughs> seven years and counting. Anyway, it wasn't the very first film we went to see together. That was The Avengers, which uh, put oh, the first. on our... The first yeah. Avengers, yeah. I, I didn't consider it a classic, but I, enjoy, but I very much enjoyed it. And it's one of those films that I do have a bit of nostalgia for, because it was right at that beginning when we first got together, when we saw this, so I have a bit of nostalgia for it, because... Um, well, Andy sort of stolen my origin story for this it's film the same. because it's the same one, yeah. But I've only ever seen this film that like, one time. I got it on DVD for on Blu-ray for Andy the first Christmas we got together. Yeah. And um, I've not seen. We've, I don't. Have we ever used that Blu-ray? I you, I think is we hadn't moved in together when you got me that Blu-ray, and I watched it a few times. Oh. But I don't think we've watched it since we moved in together. No. Oh, so neither of us have seen it for at least five years. Don't think so. No. And um. I've not seen it since I first saw it in the cinema. 
I'm just looking through the voice cast for this. Yeah, two, and very, I, two very famous actresses at the front. I'm, I'm familiar with the first five names on this list, funnily Which enough. Are, well, Ke- Kelly um, McDonald. Kelly McDonald. Who, who is, is uh, you know, Hated in the Nation from Black Mirror. Yeah. The, the main character, the policewoman. She's uh, also... Ah. Um, and she's the uh, her Helena Ravenclaw from Deathly Hallows. Yes, and she's also uh, thinking in Trainspotting as well. Ah. Uh, Diane. Uh, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly! He doesn't have that big a role, he's just a very famous name. But um, Emma Thompson. She's got a much that. bigger role than Billy Connolly. Uh, yeah. Julie Emma Walters. Thompson's Emma Thompson's the mum, yeah. And Julie Walters is like a local witch. Um, Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane? Who does well. he play? I don't know, I'm not at the voice cast. Robbie Coltrane plays Lord Dingwall. Or probably just Hagrid, he'd fit right in. So, <laughs> Oh, and uh, John Ratzenberger, of, of, course. of course, he he will turn up. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I am quite look, I'm quite looking forward to this just because it's this and the Good Dinosaur are like the two Pixar films that I've and, and Cars three are the two Pixar films that I've never seen and kind of wanted to see. I'm not asked about. You don't Cars want to see 3. Cars three. It's not like I don't want to see it. I'm just not asked about you don't it. Want Whereas to see Brave Cars 3. has always had a kind of lukewarm, but you know, within the Pixar kind of fan base it kind of has a little bit of a cult following if you know what I mean like it has it's a so, it's so different to all the rest that's why it's like this is the their only fairy tale that they've ever done their only like Disney style right yeah because it's set in a universe that. that's way older than ours and yeah. stuff and yeah so I'm, I'm looking forward to it because this was made at the same time that Disney finally started to make good Pixar films yeah in terms of animation like Wreck-It Ralph and um mm what's it called the Big Hero 6 and films like that started to come out after this so it's almost as if the roles got reversed uh, well I was going to say I think this is the moment where the lines blur between what's Disney and what's Pixar and I struggle to remember which is which because like yeah. Big, Big, that's a good example Big Hero 6 and Wreck-It Ralph I always get confused about whether they're Pixar or Disney and like Coco I always struggle to remember that's Disney yeah. and Zootopia Moana and, I, I and Moana sure. yeah. and I think Brave is the point where the lines start yeah, to yeah because I know if, like Pixar have had some bad films up until this point um, if you watched last week's episode, then listen to last week's episode, you'll probably know that. And the original Cars, we weren't big fans of either, to be fair. But this is like the first Pixar film. That's a good film, but it's not of a really high Pixar standard. But it's also not rubbish. It's like the first. It's a level out. Yeah. It's the first, like in my opinion, relatively mediocre yeah. film that Pixar have done. So it it does sort of feel like a bit of a change for Pixar because. From like this point onwards, although they've had a couple of like absolute bombers, Cars slash Cars two, um, they've been over the other films have been consistently like you can tell the Pixar films because of the quality of them and how good they are. This is the first one where you can mistake this for a Disney film because the quality is not typical Pixar level, in my opinion. Yeah, I th- well, I will I will say that uh, that I hope that this comes true because what, the way I remember it is that this is part of the gradual climb in quality. Where they bottomed out in Cars Two, and then Brave Monsters University, Inside Out, and then the they jam got that better is and better. The Good Dinosaur in Cars Three. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll so we'll crack on. Let's yeah. be brave. Well, by the way, everyone, take a drink every time you hear Merida say the word Mordu. Mordu. It's just the most satisfying sound in the world. Extra point every time she says it. Well, I'm on water, so that's fine. <laughs> Let's do it. I saw something that day. Something I'll not forget. It's 
stands 12 feet tall with razor-sharp claws. His hide littered with the weapons of fallen warriors. His face scarred with one dead eye. I drew my sword and... Chomp! Dad's leg was clean off. Oh, that's my favourite part. <laughs> In accordance with our laws, the firstborn of each of the great leaders must prove their worth. enjoys elegant pursuits. I present my only son. He took out a whole armada single-handedly. He was... With one arm, he was steering the ship. Ugh. I want my freedom. But are you willing to pay the price your freedom will cost? Careful what you wish for, my mother would say. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah! No more fighting! Show a little decorum! Feast your eyes! If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? So we're back on the other side of Brave. We I are. was going to drop into a Scottish accent there. But Brave! That was rubbish. felt like I couldn't do it justice, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That's I'm not even going to try and do a Scottish accent. Um, I mean, we usually jump to the guest, but I am so the what guest. So what did the guest think? So I have to jump to myself. So Rob, what did you think? Um, I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I can see. I mean, we'll we'll get into it a bit more, but I can I can see why it's not everybody's favorite. But I can also see why some people might within, really like, like I said before, why within the Pixar kind of fandom, a lot of people feel quite strongly about this and are willing to defend it. Well, because it's very different from other Pixar films, isn't it? Very, yeah. Um, the Disney kind of like the blurring the lines between what's Disney and what's Pixar, it's really, it's obvious, but I don't think it's too bad. If anything, I think it makes the feel the film feel slightly warmer than it might have done. Yeah, yeah. They but... work hard on the world that they live in and the kind of textures and the colours and the people in it enough to kind of give it that kind of... You know when we were talking about... Um, Ratatouille and how it had that kind of glow about it that made you think of like golden era Disney mm. this had something similar I think it's just because so many of the colours are really like autumnal and red and kind of auburny and there was just something about it that just made me feel all warm I, I just think that if, if you went into this not knowing it was a Pixar movie would you have thought that it was because I don't think you no would. not at all they even have a Disney death at the end of it yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Character dies and then comes back from the brink sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think it's kind of a game of two halves, really. It's whether you see things as positives or negatives, because the thing about it is that it knows exactly what it wants to do as a film, 
what it wants to be about, and it focuses on it relentlessly. Yeah. And doesn't really do anything else. It doesn't get distracted by subplots or other ideas or other details. There's only about five characters in the whole thing. Um, yeah. And I, I think because yeah. it's so focused, it makes it feel a little bit small and empty and not that much to say afterwards. But it's probably it is probably one of the most focused and, you know, um, passionate kind of films that we've seen so far in the Pixar canon, just in that, like, they really... Passionate in terms of the writers, you can tell, they really wanted to dig into this mother-daughter relationship. They do so much with it that I feel like there is real heart in it. Whether it's interesting enough to sustain the full 80 to 90 minutes, I'm not sure, though. I think it would have... I When I was taking my notes, I even make a comment to myself where I basically say to myself, "It's I'm writing a new film here. Because... I feel like what we get is strong enough, but I feel like what we could have gotten with these kind of themes that it tries to build in would have been stronger. I feel like the first half an hour is the best bit of the film, and then the second and third acts, once the mum is a bear, is less There's only so convincing. much you can get out of a bear, and, yeah. and I just found it a little bit... The problem I had with it was when when she turns into a bear, or gets turned into a bear rather, in all the Pixar films, you would usually, it, it's at the same point in the film where you picked it up Andy in the past, where in Toy Story 2, it's at the point in the film where Jessie comes in, and then it's at the point in Monsters Inc. where Boo comes in. And then, as we'll see, it's at the point in Inside Out where Bing Bong will come into it. And this wasn't as strong. It's It works, for me, everything up to the bear works so well. Because it was a magical fantasy world grounded in family realism. Mm. And then when the bear gets introduced to the film it felt less like a magical fantasy land but the magic's on the fringes and what really matters the family dynamics the human the the humanity the way they live their lives at the center and the core of it it felt lost a little bit i think they got a little bit distracted with a plot needs to happen and how do we make this plot oh let's have the mother turn into a bear because it feels like they wrote backwards from the twist that Mordu was the prince I feel yeah, like which that is obvious was, from the get go I feel like that was the first idea and then they had to write they had to write backwards to get to that point again and I feel like at the beginning it's setting itself up as this really I feel like with the length that it is and if you consider the length that Toy Story is, I think there's more than enough there in the first 25 minutes, half an hour, in this just in this mother-daughter relationship and in the way that they set up the clans and the betrothal. And you can clearly see that all the betrothal stuff, it seems like Eleanor is controlling her at first, but what it actually is, is Eleanor feels such a strong connection to Merida that if she... She sees this betrothal thing as a way to stop Merida from leaving the nest, essentially. And Merida wants to be free, but if Merida wants to be free, it means she'll leave. And 
making sure that she's married off to some clan that they're all friends with, it means that she's always got that really close link with her daughter and she never has to let go of her. And I feel like there's enough there with the relationship that the clans have with each other and the relationship that the family has with each other. What was... Remember the second name again? What's the name of their family they, again? I don't think they ever reveal that. Or the that. clan or anything. I don't think they reveal that. Oh, she does say, I am firstborn of the something. Of this uh, clan. Yeah. But I feel like there's enough there in the first Should half of the hour. Scottish Gingers clan. Okay, then. I mean, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. So, Merida Scottish Ginger. Um, Hyphen, double, yeah. Hyphen yeah, yeah, d- yeah, double barrel name. Scottish was her mother's name and Ginger was her dad's name. I feel like there's enough there in the opening half an hour to get at least an 85-minute film out of this and then I feel like they panicked a bit maybe they were a bit worried that they couldn't sustain it so they thought right where do we take this because the first act is from a different film as far as I'm concerned Mm. and I really really enjoyed the first half an hour right up until the point where even just up to the point where they have the chase through the first chase through the castle as they're trying to escape to get to go back to the witch's I was really really with it then and then afterwards I was still with it but less bothered yeah it starts to get a bit draggy there. I totally agree in yeah. that I think the first half an hour sustains itself really well and then the rest of the film just sort of happens and it's, the thing yeah. that re- the re- thing that really sticks out to me here in comparison to any well there's two things that really stick out to me here is that First of all, this is completely different from any other Pixar film because it's it's a fairy tale. They've yeah. ra- rather than doing what Pixar usually they do, where they Which say, "What if we do, What if fish had could were conscious, or what if toys were alive when you mm. close the door?" Rather than coming up with some sort of really cool concept that's really new and refreshing and something we've not seen before, they've instead gone, "Well, what if Pixar made a fairy tale?" Like a sort of meta version of that. It's like, what if we actually did a fairy tale instead? It's it's definitely you can tell it's an experiment. Um, mm. I mean, to keep an eye on the future as well. They've never done this again, which makes it even more obvious that this is. They've never done a fairy tale again since this, and they've done five or six more films at least after this. Yeah. So you know, I think it was just a kind of, as you say, it was an idea of what if we did a fairy tale? Yeah. And um, they've not committed to it. It's just something they did this once. Well, yeah, yeah and it's it, so it lacks that sort of originality that a normal Pixar film would where, where you you look at something in a Pixar film in a Pixar we notice it all the time in the Pixar universe where something just seems to fit and resonate really well based on the idea that they've come up with um, except in Cars where Cars were just in this random humans universe um, like in A Bug's Life where they all panic when a leaf goes down and these are things you don't think about until you've got this new concept and you've seen all these new ideas spring out of this concept but because Pixar lacks an because Brave lacks an original idea, and that's what I really frustrates me about this film is that it's just not an original. There's film. no thing. There's yeah. no. There's nothing. There's no like. There's a mum turning into a bear thing, which I guess nothing's ever been done before. But otherwise, trope for trope, it's just a fairy tale. Yeah. It's like even down to the. Um, the Disney death where the mum comes back alive because it turns out which is really obvious by the way how Merida didn't notice this in the first place is beyond 
is beyond me. Where the witch says she can only come back once you've healed your bond, and she sees healing the bond as stitching the t- the tarot. Yeah, the that felt forced. Back together. That's that's not it's what obviously that's not, not that. the conclusion it, that you come to. It's obvious that yeah. the conclusion is healing the bond between mother and daughter, which is what brings. Yeah, she's never seen a Disney even, movie before. Even that <laughs> is like it's just totally not original. It's just yeah, it comes it, right down to like the witch's spell with a catch. Yeah. The, can I get yeah. what it comes right down to? Is that um, this is this sounds completely random, but there's a point to this. Where there's an episode of Peep Show, which you'll know very well when I say it, Rob. That there's a particular line in Peep Show that has stuck with me forever, and it and it sums up this film as well. Where a stripper is dancing for Mark, and uh, he's trying to write a business plan, and she says, "If you can't sum up your your aims in the first line, then they're too diffuse." <laughs> and it always probably sticks with me. This film cannot sum up what it's about in one sentence. Well, all the other Pixar films can. It's about, I, I guess, and it's hard. It's about the bond of, of a mother and daughter. Mm. But you can, you know, like that's not something to start a film with. But this in is a bond. You've named so many better examples of um, what if the monsters that came into your closet were real? What if fish could talk? What if there were people inside your head operating you? You know, things that you can sum up in less than ten words. With this, it's like. What, what, what if, if the bond between mother and daughter was explained by one of them being turned into a bear by a magic spell and also it's in Scotland? Oh, like it's, it, you've you know. either got to be really specific like that or what if uh, what if a princess doesn't want to get married, which, again, is not an original and idea. Not, and that's not the plot, and it's really. Not, well, it, it's sort of the drive. That doesn't tell you what actually it, yeah. happens. Yeah, it yeah. just, it kind of... I don't know, because I feel like in the first... It's kind of similar to how I feel about Moana, where, like... The world that they build and the character... I mean, I know Moana's not a Pixar film, but, you know, I've been saying. The first 25 minutes of Moana are amazing. And then it's basically just a video game where she yeah. levels up against... the magic objects. Yeah, and, and she levels up against different bosses to win the game. Yeah. And this feels kind of similar, where they build this world that you just want to live in forever... I love the first 25 to 30 minutes of this because they make really strong connections with the family and the dynamic that they have and the little Even world like the that they occupy. The mum's talking about like the, the kingdom with the four brothers and stuff and that ties into how their kingdom yeah. operates. You know, that sort of stuff works really well. They, and, they do really good at building the Yeah, universe. and there are moments... But then there are moments in the second and third acts of the film where... They make you think, and it kind of makes you sit there and realize that the world building suddenly been lost. Like there's that moment where Meredith delivers that speech to um, all of the clan brothers to make sure that they stop, uh, to make sure that they stop fighting. I mean, by the way, great set piece there, having them all um, like behind the tables. Mm. the war is just kind of like this self-contained yeah. argument in a room with. I thought that was quite funny, but. It felt like it was it was a nice character moment for Merida to be connected with her mum, which I was a little bit distracted by the fact that they couldn't see the bear in the room, even though Merida was looking at her quite a lot, and I have to suspend my disbelief for this moment. But the speech is nice, and it's a nice, like I say, it's a nice character moment for Merida, but it would have landed better if we'd stayed connected with the world mm. that they were in because yeah. she talks about how the clans all came together and they didn't fight and 
they saved each other's lives on a battlefield and they did this and they did that and it felt like if the world building had stayed as rich as it had in the first 20 to 25 minutes it really would have hit well, that's, home that's, that's the thing because the, the, this idea that like there's all the kind of set up and you're enjoying the world but then a plot happens that's not unusual like every film does that yeah like Toy Story is a really good example where you spend all this time in Andy's bedroom like getting to know all the characters getting to know the world that they're in but then eventually Buzz gets knocked out the window and a plot gets started yeah. it has to be done especially in a kids film there has to be a point where it's like right stopping the world building now we're getting on with this but you can do it in a way that feels more smooth where you use what you've established so far where you keep up the level of detail where you keep up the level of richness and I think there is yeah there comes a point in this film where it basically stops being about anything except the bear thing and it's it's just it's just a bit of a shame really but yeah, having well, said that go on, go on go on like there's like there's three things that I see that make a really great Pixar film and I think this film has one of those things so there's the original idea the concept that I talked about before which it doesn't really which have which it doesn't have yeah. there's a really great like world built around that idea and while it doesn't have an idea to build a world around it still has a really great world built like yeah. I was just talking about and the third thing is just really great characters and I feel like Merida's a good character and the relationship to, between her and her mum is quite good but and then they get rid of her mum well they get rid of her mum so you've got you're left with Merida interacting with a burr which is frank, frankly they could have done a better job of making a connection between Mum and um, Burr yeah. and Merida because they, they don't really tackle I don't feel like they tackle that very well and then other characters that are sort of there but they don't they don't feel like whole well, well rounded characters yeah, I mean, like most Pixar I characters I thought the do. clans were going to play a really big part and they well, don't I, I mean I've been thinking you know if we, I, I was thinking all the way through this right if we were all doing our favourite character which by the way we should still do but anyway if we, thought, if we were all doing our favourite character there's three of us is there even three to choose? There are only really two with any kind of depth Merida. to them. Merida and her mum, and who else would we, any of us really choose for a favourite character? I mean, I'm just going to... I'm gonna, glad we skipped that. We Dingwall. Well, I'm happy to just plant my flag in the ground and say Merida so that, you know, I've stolen it. I would agree. Yeah? Yeah. And would you say Merida as well, Jake? I mean, I think her mum does have depth to her, but would you say Merida as well? For favourite character? Well, just what about there's the mum and I think her mum I think her mum is well developed but yeah, in the, the first, first half, half an hour of the yeah. film and then she disappears and becomes a bird there's the, there's the witch who's quite funny but she's a one note character yeah but that well that's the pro, that's the issue that I have with the rest of the characters that they're all one note characters I quite like the dad in how he sympathises with Merida and like they make but jokes that, they, need, they needed other. to do more with that because that was interesting exactly but then again once she becomes a bird and they run out of the castle don't like none of those characters are in the plot anymore, so they're irrelevant. And this is the thing with Pixar films: is that most of the time the characters are there to service the plot, and the 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 plot is driven forward because of the characters and the characters' interactions. And we we always say this about Pixar films: it's a great Pixar film when you've got really great characters, and go, and the film becomes more about the relationship between the characters than it does about the film. It's just so weird that this is a film entirely about the relationship to, between a mother and a daughter. And it's supposed to be about a really strong relationship, and it it just doesn't have that same effect that the other Pixar films do. I think do. something that they're missing, now that I'm thinking about it, that other films have kind of done, not just in Pixar, but films like this always seem to work best when there are three characters in this situation. So it would be Merida, the bear, 
and somebody for Merida to talk to so that we mm. can understand how she's feeling. Yeah. Because only having the two of them and the fact that they can't really talk to each other means that the animation and the visual stuff has to do a lot of the legwork to communicate how they're both feeling. And I, I'd go on further and say the obvious thing to do is to then introduce your um, beloved comedy character to make it bounce. Because Olaf or something as, like that. As I was going to carry sorry, on... Sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I, I was going to carry on and say that like, if you take Moana, it's uh, Maui. Moana, Maui and Hey Hey. Yeah. And then in Shrek, you have Shrek and Donkey and Fiona. Oh, Shrek and Fiona and Donkey. And, donkey. Yeah. and in Shrek 2, you have Shrek and Donkey and Puss in Boots. And like, there's always somebody else. And, like, you know, there's there's Woody and Buzz, and then I suppose the surrounding oh, 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 characters in yeah. Toy Story are strong enough. And then in uh, Toy Story 2, when they're separate from each other, it's Woody, but then he has Bullseye Jesse and Stinky Pete. And there's always... A, there's always another character thrown into the dynamic yeah. that just seems to complement it really nicely. And you get it in Inside Out, where it's like you have joy and sadness and bing bong. There's always a third character, and it's always somebody else. There's always And it's always another dynamic thrown in, whereas with this, it's just Merida and her bear. And there's just moments where you Although can have... at the start, in the first half an hour, you do have Merida, her mum, and her dad... Yeah, and then it works, and then they kind of get... Like, you would hope that she had, like, a pet or something to go on the road with, and to kind of... She sort of has a horse called Angus that has has a little bit of... Who's lovely, by the way. He looks lovely. Yeah, he's got quite a nice personality for an animated horse. And Um, even in films that aren't... Like the, the ones I'm thinking of, it's all trios that are coming up to me. I'm sure there are loads of films well, where it's just two there are, people. There are some Pixar films that don't. I mean, there's Marlon and Dory, and you know, Wally even and then Eva. they constantly. But Eva. even then, even though it's only two of them, Marlon and Dory first they bump into uh, Bruce, and then it's the Cito. Mm. Uh, no, there's yeah. always like yeah, a, yeah. and then you know, there's always somebody else. There's always another. I mean, I'm even thinking in films like um, Lord of the Rings where it's Sam and Frodo and Gollum. There's always something in the middle, and either that character either unites the two central characters or divides them for them to come back together. And this... I think it's that. Like, I I imagined myself... Or rather, I imagined the film when um, Eleanor is becoming a bear and she's off in the forest, kind of like... You could have a chasing birds. You could have a trying to eat those apples or whatever, and then you could have her in the background of the shot, and then you just kind of have Merida kind of roll her eyes and speak to this third character like, "Oh God, what do I do if I don't get my mum back? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I can't believe I've done this." But and it just it, she never really gets a chance to say any of that. A lot of it has to be communicated visually, and it kind of works, but not as well as it may have done with a third character. And, yeah, I mean, I will, I will say that. If 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 we take that stuff that's just the two of them, like that mother daughter relationship, I think actually is very well done. It's very yeah. well developed. Yeah, I like this whole idea that it's all turned on its head in a metaphorical way. That like at the beginning, her mom is um, is watching Merida turn into someone she doesn't recognize, who she doesn't understand, and is growing increasingly out of control to the point where they can't communicate anymore. And then it's reversed, and as a bear, her mum is becoming uncommunicative and dangerous and out of control, and Merida is kind of the mother figure who has to look after and try and bring her down to earth. 
I like that, that they learn to understand each other because they see each other's other side of it. It's really well done. But the fact that there's just so much of just the two of them makes it hard to keep the attention because you have the characters would have to be so strong in any film to have almost like probably about an hour's worth of material of just two characters talking to each other. One of them not able to talk back for a lot of the film. So, you know, there's so much legwork needed to make it work, but the idea is really strong. And that's why it's a shame to me, because that's why, I mean, there's so much heart in this film, they really understand what the film is about and what they're trying to say. They just don't give it the finessing that it needs. No, and it is a shame, because there are bits where they do communicate through that little sign language thing that they do, where Merida... I think it's the the speech that finishes on that um, free-to-find love in our own time. Mm. And the way they understand each other through sign language, I thought that was really touching. But it also felt like it came out of... Well, not that they came out of nowhere, but more that it could have been established a bit earlier that they could have this kind of connection with each other once. And it just... It felt like the emotional climax to the second act before we leap into the third. Mm. That didn't... it worked on a character level for Merida, but nobody else. I felt like a lot of this film is to do with Merida's development, and nobody else changes. Nobody well, else seems does. to be. Her mom does. Her mom relaxes. Yeah, but again, it's just them two. It just they relate. Everything that happens in this film, it's almost like it goes unnoticed by all the other characters. Yeah. Because there was a bit at the end where I was a bit confused, where for two days. Her father has been under the impression that the bear being Eleanor is nonsense. And so he's tried to kill her a couple of times, and they've gone hunting her and fighting her. Hang on, not for two days. He only finds out at like ten minutes from the end that the bear well, is... Well, to be honest, I mean, there was a bit where I was thinking to myself, does he not realise that his wife has been gone? Like, did yeah, but it's, only, it's only when he bursts into the room and sees Merida... Yeah, it's, sorry. That's the yeah. only time where he's so overnight. Essentially, yeah. but he's, for a good half an hour of the film, he is under the impression that the mother is not the bear, and that it's just a bear, and that Eleanor's gone somewhere and run away or been stolen by well, the two, bear. Two days pass throughout the film because it's a second sunset, yeah. and there is yeah, there is two days where she's supposed to have gone to bed and is still there for like two Sick. days. Yeah. yeah, and it just seems a bit odd. Odd that he would then when the bear turns into Eleanor, he doesn't come over going like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I thought you weren't the bear and that I tried to attack you and kill you. And she's like, oh, it's fine, don't worry. He just comes over like, Eleanor, oh my god, it was you all along, I'm so glad you're safe. And it just it felt like it hadn't really been earned because he, never, he yeah. never actually knew that the bear was Eleanor until Eleanor was back in the room. And again, this is just stuff that the film doesn't work hard enough on it feels like again things don't connect to each other yeah Yeah. I think I think this is a symptom of the film being more about plot than about characters and character relationships and anything else because the plot's just a bit a a little bit convoluted for a Pixar film and for a kids film as well I think you might have trouble like sort of following what's going on and there's all these little like that little thing you've just picked up on there that doesn't really make any sense yeah, I just I, I feel like this is a plot that just sort of exists to be a plot rather than to be in service of any relationship between the characters, which is weird because it's supposed to be the mother turns into a bear and that's supposed to drive the relationship forward between mother and daughter, and I guess it sort of does it in the end, but it just 
I don't know, it just doesn't feel as real as other Pixar relationships, and I'm not sure why the relationship doesn't feel as real. I think it's also not helped by the fact that the the in the by the way, the best looking Pixar film so far. Oh yeah, it looks amazing, doesn't this it? This film is gorgeous. I think quite a lot of the first, the strengths of the first half an hour come from the fact that Lots of landscape porn. Colour. And as you I could say, a lot earth of it porn looks and, real as well. A yes, very physically real. real. There was a sweeping camera shot where it went over a river as the river was running towards the camera and kind of away to like the lower left of the screen. And I was like, wow, have they just kind of put a camera on a drone here mm. and just flown it over a yeah. river or something? You really got, in the first half hour, this real sense of the world that they lived in, how rich it was, how luscious all the colours were, how they were all like autumnal and really warm and really gorgeous to And there's some look other at. there's some other aspects that really add to that, like the music is like I Pretty think it's nice. quite yeah. strong in this film. It's like quite it's not amazing. Folky but... and quite warm and quite sort of medieval and like, like very Scottish. Rustic very, very kind of, Scottish, Yeah, very yeah. traditional and it like maybe... a Scottish Game of Thrones soundtrack. Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking more concerning Hobbits, like yeah. the opening sort of forty five minutes of the first Lord of the Rings film, where most of it's mm. in the Shire, and you just have the same kind of atmosphere come through, mm. where it's this little community that's completely separate from the rest of the world. You got loads of greens, loads of browns, loads of reds and oranges. Really kind of friendly, happy community. Nothing touches it, and it doesn't touch anything else. Mm. Everybody's friends. Everybody has this kind of playful relationship with each other like they'll punch each other on the shoulder but it's all in good fun that kind of small folky we don't you know we don't want anything to do with the rest of the world and then you can just imagine pipes coming in you could i, I can hear concerning hobbits in my head i mean it's a great soundtrack yeah, from the rings and it like that it had that kind of feeling, obviously without um, the the intensely deep nostalgia that I have for Lord of the Rings, but it's it, and it all came through in little bits like how I think having like curly hair has quite a lot to do with it as well. Um, the characters having really uh, Merida especially having the kind of like really unique kind of striking curly mm. hair because I think that's quite similar in Lord of the Rings too, where all the hobbits have this really it's like. Um, I suppose there's a lot of Gaelic in it, in sort of like the opening of Lord of the Rings. This kind of, you know, that that kind of genetic makeup that all the hobbits have got. Yeah. When um, Merid is really small and she's running and the camera's looking at her from behind and it's just this orange fuzzball bouncing about the place. Oh, I know. She's so cute. And you know, and and obviously, like it, it became clear to me from the beginning. You know, the film. I always think that films make their greatest statements about what they're going to be about in the first and last shots. And the first shot of this is, oh, the first scene is a beautiful landscape shot that then descends on a mother and daughter relationship. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yes, we're in for it here. Because, like, I'd heard little bits about the mother-daughter relationship in this in the past, like, years ago when it first came out. And I was really looking forward to this. And, like, I loved the dynamic that they had in between each other. I was saying before that, you know, the betrothal thing initially seems like Merida's trying to control, um, Eleanor's trying to control Merida, but it's actually more of a protective thing because she doesn't want her to leave the nest and because she's her only daughter, there's like a, there's a connection there that I'm never going to understand because Mm -hmm. I'm not a daughter, you know, I sometimes think I would have a connection 
that's deeper with this film if I was a daughter or if I had a strained relationship with my parents that needed repairing and I could live through vicariously in well, this. There is, I mean, there is but, a point... Go on, so carry on, go on. But I think the first, like, the first half an hour is really strong because their relationship is... It's fractious and it's complicated because they're stubborn with each other, but it's layered and it has depth and it's not just, oh, women not listening, too emotional to actually talk about their feelings or anything like that. You know, because that was that really nice um, bit between the mother and father where he kind of pretends to be Merida and he does the whole, oh, I'm Merida, I want to be free, I don't want to be married, and then, okay, now talk to me. And they have that great conversation separately where one side of the conversation is being delivered by Eleanor in a room separate to Merida, yeah, and like Merida's down by the horse. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, and that is their relationship where this is what they want to say to each other, but when they get in a room together and have the chance to say it to each other, what does the mother say? Remember to smile. Mm. We have to get on with duties of the court here. And... It's quite realistic. Uh, it's yeah, a realistic sense so. of trying to avoid confrontation with someone. And, it? you know, a film that is very, very similar to the aspects of the opening bit of this is, is Lady Bird, where the mother and daughter have this relationship with each other where they never say the things that they need to say to each other. And their feelings are all pent up in their chest, but their feelings never make it to their mouths. And it means that new Game of Thrones. (laughs) And it means that their relationship gets more kind of difficult and strained as the film goes on. And it's only when they're completely honest with each other in their own ways. And I thought that's where this film was heading, but I, I needed the second half of the conversation. And we only get Merida's side of it, really, because you can only do so much with bears being human in their brain. And, yeah, it just... It, that's where... I, 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 it make, the way we've talked about it, it, make, it does make it seem a bit... Not bad, like we didn't like the bear stuff. Because I, I do like the bear stuff. It's just... It's that's only that, so that's all I feel about it. Yeah. Because... I think the problems all stem from the fact that they give us this great relationship between Merida and Eleanor and then they take it away from us for so long and you realise that this film about a mother-daughter relationship has only been about a mother-daughter relationship like really seriously and intensely and in detail for a third there's bits towards the end where Merida is addressing the clans and she's saying the things that her mother said to her, and then her mother realises, and then she starts signing stuff to her. Again, because she's a burr, she can't communicate very well, so they try and get some comedy out of that by doing, you know, signs. Creeping along the stairs. Yeah, and, yeah. but um, the the bit where, the, a bit where she is a burr, where it is quite heartfelt and you can feel a connection, is where she desperately needs to be able to talk to Merida and not be a burr in that scene. Mm. Like, you know, yeah. um, and have a conversation about what's been going on. And you can see in that scene, you know, you can see they've learned from each other and Merida has learned that, you know, she can't be selfish and she's got to think of the kingdom as a whole. And her mother's learnt that you don't always have to be... You're allowed to break traditions sometimes. So, you know, there are bits towards the end where you sort of see how the relationship has changed a little bit. But because there's that, there's a whole birthing in the middle, it, it's like you start off with the relationship fractured 
and then she becomes a burr. She's a burr for a while, and then all of a sudden she understands Merida's point of view, and Merida understands her point of view. So you've got the relationship is not working, and then you've got the relationship is working at the end, but you just don't really see anything in the middle the for The dots why. don't connect in the way yeah. you expect them to. Like, yeah. they're sort of like a bit where they're in the woods in the river together and um, a mum's got to eat some fish or catch some fish and they have a little bit of bonding because Merida knows a lot about the outside mm. world because that's, you know, part of her personality and her mum sort of appreciates that. So there's, you know, there's sort of hints of... There's ghosts of dots, there's wisps of dots <laughs> that you can <laughs> sort of try and connect to, but it just... I think that one of the reasons that the mother, the, the, the Merida bear relationship kind of works is because it constantly, and I think it works best when it becomes clear that she won't just be a human bear for two days and then suddenly become a bear or be permanently a human bear and have no chance of changing back. It's that it's the little moments where she becomes feral very briefly. And you get this little snapshot of what life would be like for Merida without her mother. And I think it's the fear of losing each other that ultimately makes them realise that they need each other. So that worked for me. It was just not as anywhere near as effective as it was when they were both human. And it started yeah. making me think, this is where I got to the point where it was like, maybe I'm writing a new film here, where you don't turn her into a bear... You keep her as a human, but she maybe can't speak, or she is deaf, or, you know, something something about her mother changes, or maybe her mother is just not there, and Merida has to do this on her own, and she has to reverse the spell in some other way, and to make her mother reappear again, or to get her voice back again, or something or other. But the bear it just seemed a bit well the universe worked really well in the beginning because i think magic was on the fringes and like i say you know that the main the most important thing about the first half an hour is the humanity and the family core at the center of this universe which is the, the, the real stuff essentially and the magic can kind of it's the wisps on the in the forests that kind of lead you to through paths to nowhere and then as soon as the magic kind of gets thrown into the real into this real world in the way that it does it's not very subtle and it's not very it's not very gradual and it's not very graceful it's just a bear's in the story and yeah I, I do think though that there are a couple of things that we're losing sight of here the first of which being yes it would be much better for us as viewers if her mum had stuck around for the whole film and there had been more of a kind of human connection The things had gone more in depth. But um, it's a kid's film. There needs to be some kind of hook. There needs to be some sort of thing that happens that makes the kids like, whoa. And I do actually remember when I saw it for the first time, although I wasn't a kid, when her mum turned into a bear, I was like, oh, that was an unexpected twist. I didn't know that was going to happen in the film. And I was like, oh, okay, this is something new. This is interesting. And I think it does need that kind of novelty factor. It, it No matter how hard it tries to be emotionally intelligent and be about a relationship, it has to do something that's visually interesting. And you can't really do that if you just have two people talking it out in some form for the entire film. 
they have to do something that gives us some kind of action, that gives us some kind of oomph. So I can understand why they turned into a bear, and I think we have to remember that this is not... Well, this, more than most Pixar films, is not a film for adults. And the other side of it as well mm-hmm. is that I don't really want to... I'm not playing this as a card. I think this is just a genuine fact. Is that this is a film made for mothers and for daughters. It's a film made for women and girls, and we're three early 20s men watching this. That's true. There may well be elements of this that we just don't really connect to in the way that... Well, it's like I was saying, like, you know, maybe if I was a daughter or a mother or if I had a strained relationship with my parents, I'd maybe understand it more. But I think your first point is something that I started to pick up on. When the bear turned up, really, it became very obvious that this wasn't... I mean, you were saying before about your three kind of solid pillars um, for a Pixar film. And I think I only really have one, which is how well it works as a kids film and how well it works as a film and how well it works as a kids film is pretty solid how well it works as a film is less so and I think it became kind of obvious to me that this was a film that was less interested in the second level of making sure the the something for the grown ups there was little in there and it was mostly just cheap gags Mm. like the three little brother bears jumping into cleavage which is probably more in for kids but it felt like the only adult bit in it like you know something that the parents would be like boobs you know and yeah I, I, I think that's kind of what it was reduced to and maybe you know the and but the bits that were best for mothers and daughters this adult kid thing is is the stuff that's in the first half hour and the stuff that's at the very end Mm. and I think it works well enough as a kids film and I think if I was a kid I would be pleased enough with it I, 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 I suppose like I think I'd be happy with it I think I don't think there's any way we can know I no, think not Rose Sims glasses are so strong we look back at films that we grew up with and think they're so much better than this type of film I'm not sure that that's true a lot of the time I think that this actually does a very good job of being a kids film that is about something deeper I think I think it does a really good job of that it's certainly not like all time classic but I think for kids this is actually really good I think it's just for adults that it's a bit inaccessible that it just doesn't really have much to offer it's quite sort of um, I mean if you're a mum or perhaps if you're a dad as well if you're a parent that you know it has something to offer in that way but I think if, you, if you're in, if you're looking for kind of teenagers or young adults I think there's basically nothing going on here it's a bit inaccessible to be honest but Unless I think, I, think but I, I really yeah. wouldn't fault it as a kids film I think um, it has all the ingredients really yeah because it's a typical fairy tale story but then you put it in the realms of other fairy tale films and would you rather not just have them watch one of the better ones well this that's that again this is what mm-hmm. I mean the better ones are the ones that we grew up with which is why we think that they're better did we grow up with Snow White and I, well Snow yeah White I stuff? did yeah did yeah. we, we came out no but I know you I know you but I think then again I suppose this would be better for um, <laughs> gender roles and stuff 
Uh, you know, there's no Prince Charming in this, so you know, know. maybe I would prefer to have my kids watch this rather than Snow White. Well, I think there's, 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 there's no having a Prince. I think there's no account for what kids are like. By far, the most popular kids franchise of the past ten, twenty years not twenty, twenty years but, but is, is Minions and Despicable Me by million miles the most popular. So you know, kids on on. We're, we're, it's hard for us to measure what kids are like. To yeah, be honest. yeah, they're not tastemakers exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, then again, I think I think the first two Despicable Me films are pretty good. I haven't seen any of them, but, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I th- I think yeah that this is probably the first film we've encountered on either the Star Wars series or this series where we are not in any way the target audience. This is just not for us. Mm. No, I think you could be right. I think mid twenties males who take films quite seriously is probably absolute bottom of the list of who this film was for. Uh, maybe I mean, but it's not like Pixar ever have those that sort of target demographic in mind. It just so happens to please a demographic because the film is just really well made. So you know you can be for a specific target audience but still have universal appeal. Mm. I mean, there's loads of Pixar films that you know, like Toy Story, for example, is aimed at. Um, parents that have got kids growing up or kids that are growing up and leaving home but if you're not one of those like I like I was watching when I watched Toy Story um, I don't have that deep of a connection to it because I wasn't going through the things that are depicted in the film like you were mm. at the time they came out but I still really enjoy them and I still think they're really good films yeah no I'm not I'm not just saying as a blank check of oh this film's probably secretly great we just don't understand it I'm not saying. I'm just saying it's a factor. I'm just saying that it's probably a bit harder for us to connect to because it's really, really not yeah. for us at all. True. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was just going to say as well. We should acknowledge as well that this is the first Pixar film with a female protagonist. It only took them seventeen years to make one. Gosh, yeah. I didn't yeah. Even think about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. And I think she's a very good female protagonist. I think she's, oh, she's, I think she's a really strong yeah. character. Really Visually, strong character. the voice is good. Yeah. Her personality comes through. Yeah. She she's yeah. the one of two strong char- really strong characters in the film and the one's only in it for half an hour so yeah <laughs> one of two films though that um, Disney ordered to give them a title that didn't reveal that it was about a woman Rapunzel was the original name of Tangled and Disney said yeah. no give it a title that's gender neutral please and um, make Rapunzel as small as you can the Rapunzel's incredibly popular a- after it came out but they said boys aren't going to no, see I mean, this film. The, the story of Rapunzel. Not with was boys. Like... They said they said boys aren't going to see a film called Rapunzel. Can you make Rapunzel quite small on the poster, which is why she's covered in her own hair, and give it a name that's something generic? So they called it Tangled. Mm-hmm. With this film, I was going to say, arguably, I not. don't understand why this film is called Brave, and I think <laughs> it's not a coincidence that it's quite a manly word, Brave. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess they were just kind of do. They were going to do like a subversive thing with it, but I think it's that where the fairy tale stuff kind of falls short because they've riffed on this, and I'm not sure you can do fairy tale stuff in a post Shrek world in the same way, and not and not in 3D animation because Shrek essentially ripped the fairy tale to bits. I think the, the and then to come in and do a fairy tale after Shrek and two and three. I mean, three. Fro- Frozen <laughs> is, a f- is a fairy tale adaptation, and that worked. I don't, I don't know what it is about Frozen that worked, though. Yeah, it is a bit subversive, I guess, yeah. Because yeah. there's no, I mean, that I mean that kind of does the carrot and stick thing with the Prince Charming thing, and then it turns out what really saves her is the bond between two sisters, which I really liked about Frozen, actually. I liked this a bit more than Frozen, I think. Frozen was... Actually, no, no, I think I like them just about as much as each other. I liked Frozen. 
didn't love it, but I loved the ending where you think, oh, well, you don't really think it's going to be the Prince Charming thing. I think that there's too many twists at the end of Frozen, but the one twist I really did like in Frozen was the fact that um, Elsa and Anna, their connection is ultimately what saves them. It's not her connection with a Prince Charming's kiss yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. And I think this goes for a similar thing, but this kind of plays it more straight-faced fairy tale. It just it just has an absence of a Prince Charming. I think that's the only difference, really. Like you said, a lot of tropes are really similar. And it, I think in considering Pixar did so much to kind of subvert quite a lot of tropes that having this kind of plonked in the middle of their like filmography feels like a bit of a misstep. I don't think it's a massive misstep or anything like that. I just think that it this follows a traditional path that Pixar kind of naturally were quite good at avoiding, I think. I think I think it was it was definitely an experiment worth trying because I can I can see being like working on a writing team working for Pixar and you think right what have kids film what what are kids films good at that we've never done before and then you look at the Disney canon who've been doing successful fairy tales for 50 60 years non-stop you would think that Pixar you know have a would have a go I yeah. think I think it's a perfectly understandable for them to try making a fairy tale and I think they try to introduce some of those Shrek style elements where they take the mick out a bit. The most the thing that really stood out to me was where the witch was doing the the call line thing, where it's press one for this, press two for this in a very tough time. <laughs> yeah. That jumped to me as exactly the type of thing the Shrek would have done. Where you use something modern and translate it in a medieval fairy tale kind of way. Yeah. And I thought that was quite funny. If they'd done more of that, then I think the fairy tale vibe would have worked a bit more and it would have seemed a bit more lighthearted. But you're yeah, right, they played it very well. straight with the fairy tale thing. And again, if you're not a kid, fairy tales just aren't interesting ever. They're just not. They're just too they're just too fantastical, they're just too whimsical. They mm. don't work for adults, they just don't. No, I totally agree, although I do like um speaking of the witch. I did like, um, it made me feel, I don't know why, but it kind of made me feel a little bit like um, I did at the beginning of uh, Spirited Away, where there's this fantasy world that the main character has access to, but when she tries to show somebody else, or when somebody else tries to gain access to it, they're cut off. Mm. And when she goes to the witch's hut and she's not there, and it's like, look at this, wait a minute, it was just here. Opens the door. Opens the door. Where is it? Where is this witch? Where has she gone? And like, and it felt like Merida had gone into a universe where her mother could never be. And there was uh, there was something nice about that. And then obviously they turn it into the as you were mentioning the great kind of like customer service line essentially. Um, I was going to mention about twist before. I actually really liked the idea that Mordu was. Um, the prince. I agree with Jake on this. I, I would have liked it more if it wasn't incredibly obvious. Yeah. yeah. But I, I still liked that. It's like, idea. oh, I, I gave this cake to a prince once, and, you know, he never. He, he, it, it certainly changed him. Oh, that cake, it did change that prince. Yeah, sure strength did. of. Uh, was it strength no. of ten men? Mm, yeah. Line that she gives. Like, yeah. Well, it's not, it's not even that time. It's the time as well where as soon as her mother turns into a bear, surely she would think. Well, there's this other famous bear who lives here. What if he's a human as well? Like, that would just be the first thing that you I think I thought of. they were going to try and do it a bit more complicated than that, that somehow her mother was Mordu, 
Oh, in like some way or another. Travel, <laughs> not like, yeah, maybe like a time travel. Like, Mordu is like... Uh, a spirit that goes into people. A spirit that yeah. moves into people through and time then, and that, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, you know, like, there's this idea that... Um, <clears throat> to bring up Game of Thrones again, there's this Azora High figure, this prince that was promised, where it's like... It's this spirit that kind of passes through people in various generations to save them from something or other. Only this time, Mordu was like this curse mm. that befalls the leading family. And, mm. you know, and I liked that because it made me feel a little more comfortable with the... I think part of why the bear stuff with the mother works is because you see what she'll become. And knowing that Mordu was a person once it makes you first of all it makes you reanalyze the first scene where it's this person who has no control over their physical form and therefore their mental state and the mother was heading the same way and oh my god are they going to fight are they going to you know the only problem I had with that kind of stuff once it got going is I don't think this film is very comfortable with being loud I think quite a lot of the chase scenes and a lot of the intense kind of violent scenes, it, it just didn't feel... I mean, it, they were watchable and they were fine, but it just didn't feel comfortable living in the moment with them. They all felt a bit rushed and a bit over too quickly, or you didn't quite know which character to put where, and I was kind of hoping, after this big introduction that they all get, the sons would play a part in this fight in some way. Mm. This wee dingwall who seems to be accidentally brilliant at things, why wasn't he accidentally brilliant in the fight? Yeah. It just felt like an idea they came up with that was going somewhere, but they couldn't quite develop it in the way that they wanted to, so they ignored it, and it was just a funny gimmick for the Highland Games. Mm. And as much as I liked the chasey, battley stuff, because you need a bit of that, it just it the film itself didn't feel comfortable with being a loud film for five and ten minute stretches. It just it didn't feel like it wanted to commit to that. I think it was more happier in the the quiet kind of oh we're in a nice forest and it felt like it felt happier doing little cute things like the wisps and Merida as a person and speaking and dialogue and that kind of stuff. Whereas like wordless passages that were filled by snarling and people shouting and swords and stuff it, and chase scenes and fights and scuffles and stuff it didn't feel as comfortable doing that stuff I don't know why well I think that's because it's, it's, it's not that kind of film it's just not no, it's it not what it's about yeah. and I think I would imagine that the writers and directors had little interest in that kind of stuff because it was just so not an action film in any way that it was no. so not designed that way and um this is kind of my issue with Mordu in general, is that I like the twist that he is the prince. I mean, I call it a twist, it's not much of it. The development that he is the prince, because bloody hell, he needed something more. Because he's just a bear. Like, yeah. a, just a random violent bear, and that's not enough to make a villain. But the thing is that even with that, nothing comes of it. It's not really relevant to the plot in any way. Yeah, the prince just kind of goes... Thank you for freeing me. They, like, they should have shown some kind of guilt or compunction about killing Mordu once they know it's a person. And other than his ghost appearing at the end to give him a kind of nod, they don't seem to acknowledge the fact that they've 
just killed a man, an ancient man. Yeah. They never really do anything with it, and I, 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 I feel they've like killed it, him, or whether they've allowed his spirit to finally be free. I think that's what the nod is supposed to be. It's more it? of a, you know, like the end of um, spoilers for Return of the King. You know how, like, at the end of Return of the King, where Considero's fulfilled, be free, and then mm. the dead people can finally be dead. They're not just trapped in this limbo. Yeah. Where it's like existence is pain, but it goes on forever, and like I hold your oath fulfilled. What say you? And that yeah, I think it's that kind of thing, but it just yeah, happened but by it, accident. It, it's it's not relevant at all, and I think you can kind of see the levels of decision making here. And I hate when you can do that when it's like they thought, right, we need a villain. Okay, let's have Mordu, who's this bear. He needs more than that, so let's have him be this prince who was cursed into being a bear. That's a fairy tale thing. Let's do that. And then they're like, okay, well, we need to acknowledge that they've now killed a sentient human. Um, so let's acknowledge mm. that. And then it never quite ties together. It's just like, Mordu exists because he has to, as a plot function. Like, they need an antagonist. They need something dangerous. And they recognise the fact that there needs to be more to him than that. But don't mm. complete the circle. They don't tie it back around. Yeah, I guess. I think you're looking a little bit too deep into it. I am looking... I, I fully acknowledge that, and that I'm looking too deep into it. And this is wh- why I was making that caveat about this being a kid's film. But it is one of the reasons to me why it's not that interesting to watch is because they don't bring it round in the way that I would expect of a mature film, really. Mm. Well, because it's not a mature film. No, it's not. I know. I I fully acknowledge that. And so I would go easy on it because of that. I think... We'll try and think of some positive before we round off because I actually liked this and having yeah, sat here and talked about it, I feel like we've given across this impression that we didn't. I think it's far easier to complain than it is to give. There's a lot to be critical yeah. of, but it's not a bad film. And I think it's we're just a, picking this. This is not well, Cars by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, no, it is not. No, um, it, it's not amazing, but it's it's good. It's a solid film. And you know what? I think the things that we're complaining about are coming from a place of frustration. The fact that like that it, it could have been amazing, been, yeah, it could have been amazing. There, were, there was so much good stuff in there that it was undermined by the bad stuff, and it could have been amazing. Like it's coming from a place of supporting the film, I think. Yeah, it is for me. Anyway. Good intentions. Yeah. Um, but I am happy to. I'm happy to grade if you two are. Ah, I'm not even sure what I'm gonna give it. Like it, it's a tough one. Oh, I'm happy to grade. Go on, yeah, go, on. go on, go on, Jake. Um, I'm gonna give it a six and a half. Okay. Um, not very original not worlds of strong characters like most Pixar films but some solid world building um, a really good first ha- first act like a lot of Pixar films this is strongest in its f- first act um, it's just a shame it doesn't live up to that first act the first act I would give like an 8.5 out of 10 and the rest I give like a 5 so yeah. I'd say 6.5 overall I'm going to say six and a half as well, but for a slightly different reason, um, just in terms of figuring out a number, because I was thinking six out of ten, but then I thought, that's three out of five, which feels a bit too much like I'm saying it's average, but then it's not seven out of ten. <laughs> so I'm giving it a six and a half, purely arbitrary. Um, I agree with basically everything Jake said there, that it starts really, really well. Um, I was definitely engaged by the ideas that they had. I definitely thought the relationships were strong. Um, I just wish that he had stayed as engaged as it was all the way through because it would have been on for a much higher score. 
So six and a half for me. Yeah. Oh, and I also wanted to mention that um, really good voice acting in this one. Oh, yeah, Especially Kelly MacDonald who plays Merida. She has to deliver about two thirds of the script. Like there are like probably about twenty scenes in it in which she has the only lines because of being because of the bear thing. So yeah, she does a really good job. Yeah, six and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give exactly the same. Just oh. six and a half. I think this is the first time we've all got the exactly score. the same rating. Yeah. I think so. We're all in agreement. So yeah, it's no, a mediocre film. I would say well, that a good film, better I'm, than mediocre. I'm on the I'm on the side of enjoying it, and. I think that if it was on, I would happily let it play. But I wouldn't actively choose to watch it. Yeah, and that's fine. It's just, it's good. It's certainly but no it's offense not... to cinema. No, and <laughs> no. So yeah, it's. I think it has a really, really, really strong opening, a less convincing middle act, and a slightly more convincing but not as great third act one thing I really like about this film is the slow-mo arrow shot oh, where like the nice. arrows like and it, yeah, wobbles and it yeah. 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 you see the curves of the and arrows and it's it not straight into the yeah. middle of the other one yeah. sorry Robert the stole your limelight just to say that that is another positive thing though I did like that touch with the arrow that it was slightly bendy and wobbly through the air it's like when there's opportunities for them to apply detail they do it so well like Pixar usually does yeah they just don't give the animators enough opportunities to do that Apart from the landscapes. Yeah. But no, I was happy I was happy with this, just not totally won over. So yeah, six and a half. Yeah. I think it, it, gave, it the opening that gave me all the warm feelings that Lord of the Rings does in that kind of similar kind of rural green belt kind of world that they all live in and occupy. But as it went somewhere as it had to move a plot through this world it was enjoyable but just less rich less convincing so six and a half so we shall return with monsters university University, isn't it yeah Yeah. so how exciting tony is our guest for that yes tony Tony shall be um yeah mike wazowski and the Goblet of Fire, as I call it. <laughs> so, oh. and we'll have um, what I oh, I've never forgotten the sheer cuteness of child Mike Wazowski. Oh. Looking forward to that next week. Always oh, just a little ball that I just want to squeeze. Oh, and Helen Mirren is in this one. Yes, Helen Mirren. Yeah, as Professor Hard Scrabble. I remember her name is. What a name that is. It's not Horn Scrabble. No, it's Hard Scrabble because it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Next week, well, next time we upload a podcast. Yeah. Woo. Hopefully next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll have Monsters University. Whoop. But yeah, we shall be back then. See you then.
Love it is a 